Well, again, we're reading through Matthew, and this is part of the daily reading. And this time as we're reading through, we've read through the entire Bible. We read through just the New Testament. Now we're just reading through a gospel. And, and as you can see, what we're doing is there's something to be learned when we read through the Bible and we just see large sections. There's something to be learned in terms of the breadth. But then there's also something to be learned as we just sort of start to meditate on maybe a single verse. Uh, this week, the, to be honest, there was just a, a phrase there that uh, just struck me. And I thought about that phrase pretty much the whole week. And the phrase that I was, that caught me is it says that many followed him and he healed all of them. And, and you know, when, I first was thinking through that, the picture that I got is probably the same as everyone else. I don't know, maybe your guys' picture is different. But I, I sort of thought, oh, you know, there's this miracle before this of Jesus just sort of focusing in on this one guy. But it wasn't just him focusing in on this one guy, that, that everybody had that opportunity. Everybody had sort of a, we think of it as like a turn, maybe, you know, that, that Jesus wasn't just focused on this one. He was actually focused on everybody. And, and that, you know, maybe everyone didn't have this specific thing that they needed done. Maybe some people were blind. Some people needed to be able to stand. Maybe some people just had a heart issue. Maybe some things you couldn't really understand what they were. And Jesus, like, individually went through and took care of everyone. In other words, my thought was everyone has a turn. But I don't think that's what it means. And that's not, I think the example of the miracle points to what it was that Jesus is doing. And it really shows the destructiveness of that thought that we have of Jesus healing all in terms of, I get a turn too. And it's a different way of looking at it. That that leads us down a destructive path, but there's another way to look at it, and that's the way that Jesus is moving forward. And if we can grab a hold of that, it'll bring us to a better place. And, and here's what the miracle is, how it starts. Jesus says to the guy, stretch out your hand or, or your arm, you know, your hand, and, and he stretched it out. And it was restored or it was brought back. And then the, the comma in my version is in the maybe the wrong place. It's it was restored. And then it was the phrase is uh healthy like the other, or it's brought back to functional like the other. H however, it is you want to use that word. In other words, there's one arm here that, that's sort of uh withered, and then there's another arm or a hand that is just like this. And he brought this arm to whatever it was that this hand is like. And the idea is there's sort of a, a sense of equality between the two hands. And so there was this miracle that happened that brought this hand from, you know, a position of maybe functionality or health or however it is that you want to phrase this arm being in a place of need. And then however it is you want to phrase this hand, you could say a health or they put normal. What, what All these terms have baggage to it, but, but whatever it is, it's functional. 
or, or just is the way it was intended, you know, however it is you want to describe it. It brought this one to be in the same way as this one. Now, this hand may not be particularly strong, but in whatever aspect, it brought this hand to be stronger. Maybe I'm right-handed, so this hand is naturally stronger than this. It's given all that. It's not that it's exact, but just in functionality, this hand wasn't as functional, or this hand had a need, and the miracle was he brought it together. So it's just this idea of equality. But, but how he brought about the equality wasn't giving this hand a turn and then this hand a turn. He brought about this equality by responding to the need that was most obvious or the need that was most uh, severe or however it is you want to say that, addressing this need by addressing the need of this one part, he restored the all to this. The, the word for that is maybe equity is a way uh, of describing that. But, but what it is is this. We often think of healing all, but then we think of it in a very individualistic way. This person gets a turn. 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 And then I get my turn. That's not what Jesus is doing. What he's saying is that if you think of the word all, like the whole body, my whole body, the only thing that needs to happen here for the whole for the needs of the whole body is to just address the needs of this one member of the body that is in a, a needful situation and, and that by addressing this need that is the turn of this hand and the head and that is the turn of it that our turn is when the needs of one is met that's a different way of looking at things and we know that this is true, that there's truth. One time I had a knee problem, and my knee problem just made it so I walked weird. And before long, my other leg started hurting because it was throwing my balance off. My other knee started going out. My ankle started hurting. Before long, my lower back was hurting. Then my, my shoulders started hurting because it was all, my whole body was racked, but the problem was my knee. And as soon as my knee healed, then the rest of my body kind of readjusted and I kind of went back to whatever sorry state I was in to begin with. But it was at least somewhat functional. That's what he's saying. If we get out of this mode of individualistic, when is it my turn? And instead think of it as a whole thing. We're all together or you know, at least in terms of this crowd, in whatever term you want to def define it, there's a group of people that are following Jesus, and that group of people that are there, you know, that fall under that, that's the whole. However we define it, if we can think in terms of whole, what we will see is that the healing that we need, the turn that we need, isn't necessarily one that's functioned on us if we're this. It's functioned on the other part that is in need. That as Jesus reaches out and touches that part, it brings wholeness to the all. And it attends to the needs of the all. Now, you see this as uh, Jesus talks about this all the time. He gives the parable uh, of the 
the sheep. He says, if you have a hundred sheep and one of them strays, everyone will leave the 99 and, and go back and, and heal the one. He says with the, uh, but we, I didn't come to save the healthy, but, but the lost or those that the need there. He's addressing things through this way of helping the everybody, but it's reaching down and helping out a person in need or reaching down into that thing. Now, now when we hear that, we think, great, that's the, that's the solution. We need to try and establish some sort of equality through equity. Let's go out and do it. Let's throw some money at that. Let, let's, uh, you know, put some time towards that. Let's try and say, change some laws towards that. The, the important thing to understand when we read through Matthew is when we see Jesus doing something, it doesn't necessarily lay something out that, okay, let's just go do it now. <laughs> We think of Jesus as just this human giving this teaching, and then once we have that teaching, now we know what the right thing is to do, and so the solution is we just need to go out and do it. The important part to understand is the man wasn't able to heal his arm, his hand. The Pharisees weren't able to heal it. The disciples weren't able to, his family wasn't able to, his community wasn't able The need in the story that we're looking at was so great that it couldn't be addressed. Equity couldn't be served to that hand. It couldn't happen because the need was so great. What Jesus is pointing us to is that, yes, here's what Jesus is doing, and sure, let's go out and try it. But but the point of it is, is for us to understand by looking at the, the most needy part, it starts to become clear that the whole is only going to, the problems are only going to be addressed if God steps down, steps into our life, and does a miracle, and that's what Jesus is. Jesus is the hope that God exists, and God cares, and God loves about us, and that God is willing to come down and be in our lives. And Jesus is there. It's us sensing God in our life, and that he is going to reach out, reach into those places that are so needy that, that it just can't be addressed we can't, it's not a matter of throwing money at it. It's not a matter of, you know, like with tribe, we're talking about that old time, feeding people. It's not going to solve the problem. The root of the problem that, that if we really look at what it is that's hurting, it's something that demands a, a power that is beyond what we're able to give. It, it demands that. Jesus be God. It demands that God come down and become one of us. It, it demands that God does something. He does a miracle. And so what it is, is us just realizing we're in trouble. We need Jesus. And the only solution is to wait for Jesus. Now, the problem is, is that we send mixed messages with that all the time. We sort of lead in with this idea like, well, let's just throw some money at it first, or let's just do this, or let's just do that. And we're pretty sure that we're going to be making a difference with doing that. 
And most of the time when we start feeling like we're making a difference, it's just because we're looking at external things that aren't making any difference whatsoever. If we were to really look at the problem, we would say, we're not touching it. It's not even, we're not making any dent in it whatsoever. But when we talk about, let's just put money out, let's just do this. We lead people down a path where, well, what, what happens then when we really look at it and we realize actually the problem's still there. We threw everything we had at it. The problem's there. What happens is, is we start to look at that problem. And if that problem is a person, we get this attitude of, well, look, I've given it everything I could have. The problem is clear that this person just doesn't want to change. The problem is clearly, I don't know, we'll just have to wait for this person to figure it out. We'll just have to wait for this person to decide that they're going to be responsible like me. We'll just have to wait for this person to, to start being on time or this person to make the changes that they see. When we lead in with what we are doing, it leaves us at that place where we finally see what the issue is of blaming someone else and lifting ourselves above them. And when we do that, we start thinking, when is it going to be my turn? And what we do is we, it causes this separation. And that separation ends up manifesting itself exactly like this. The Pharisees. For us, if you've been in church or whatever, or even just in common you know, cultural terms, the word Pharisee has a negative connotation. But for them back there, it had a very positive connotation. You don't give yourself a label that's negative. You give yourself a label that you think is positive. A label that the only reason why they have that label Pharisee is because they're saying we're setting ourselves apart from this person that's injured. We are now this group. They were all Jewish, but they they sort of decided we're not going to look at the label that brings us all together as Jewish, that includes these needs. Let's relabel ourselves as this group of the Pharisees. And then what are we going to do with those that don't fit into that new group? You make plans to destroy them. That's the way it always is. You see, if we go down this path of when is it our turn, if we go down this path of, look, this person is going to have to be responsible for their own stuff and sealing ourselves off from them, here's what happens. Jesus gives the parable of the hundred sheep. Well, today one sheep wandered off. Well, when is it the turn of the 99? It's today. That sheep is gone now, destroyed, lost. Next day, another sheep. Next day, another one. As we go down, well, this time we go find it. But then a couple days, another one. This time we're not. Eventually, we're going to find ourselves standing in a field like Cain and Abel, where Abel deals with the problem by getting rid of this person, and now he's standing in the field. Eventually, there is no flock. It's just a single person standing there. 
It just leads to destruction. And we candy coat that and we try and make it out that there's this equality of this. But that's not really what's happening. What's happening is we're pulling ourselves out and forming, pulling ourselves again and forming a new group, pulling ourselves out again. And if we keep doing that, what we're doing is destroying, destroying, destroying. And what we don't understand is we think we're destroying them. We're pushing them away with the bad, this, the needy, this. We're just separating ourselves. But all we're doing is just tearing ourselves apart. If I've got a hand that's withered and it's like, well, let's just cut it off. Okay, now this one, there's a problem. Cut it off. I mean, I'm cutting things off of myself. That's what the all is. And Jesus is not going to do that. Jesus is doing something different. And where does that lead us? It leads us to when we see issues, let's just be clear about it. The only hope we have is that God is going to come into our lives, that Jesus is, that what is said about Jesus is true and that Jesus is alive, and that Jesus will step into our life, and Jesus will do a miracle, and he will bring healing. Now, is that the only problem the guy had? No, he had a million problems just like everyone else, but this is one issue that's pointing to that Jesus brought a resolution to that gives us hope that he cares that he's in our life. That's what we are brought to. And instead of thinking about when is going to be our turn. Jesus says, let's have a transformation of the way we're looking at things. Let's look at things as we need each other. And this is where the Bible started all off when we started reading. God created this perfect place. Everything was perfect. Adam is perfect. The relationship between God and and Adam was perfect. Adam owned the whole world, in control of the whole world. But God looked at it and said, this isn't good. It's not good for people to be alone. The core problem is how are we going to be we? How are we going to be all? How are we going to deal with the fact when, when we are all, but then there's a need? And what Jesus says is address that need. With the prodigal son, the, the brother says, look, you threw a party for this prodigal brother who blew the whole family's fortune. Why are you throwing a party for him? When did you throw a party for me? When is it going to be my turn? And the father says, look, you have everything, but this brother of yours was lost, and now he's saved. How can we not celebrate that? The father was saying, look, you can't be who you want to be with a brother that's lost. You don't, you're not looking at the, the right problem. You're looking at the problem that you think you've put all on your brother, and now you've separated your brother out, and you're saying, I'm here, he's here. But that hasn't made you, you're left with this brotherless life. That's not wholeness. That's not healthy. Healthy is to have the brother that God gave you, to have it be the same. And that's what's happening here. And so be happy about that. Don't think, 
your turn in terms of a party? Who cares about a party? Your turn is happening right now, and your turn is defined by the fact that your brother has returned, and now he's here with you. Have a brother again. Jesus goes on. He says, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Verse 15. A lot of times when we think of that, Jesus aware of this. Aware of what? Aware that the Pharisees were hardening their hearts and were planning on killing him. And so people think, well, Jesus was aware of the danger, and so we need to flee the danger, withdraw from the danger, as Jesus did. That's not what Jesus was doing. That was the mentality later we see that the disciples have when Jesus decides to go back to Jerusalem. And they say, well, everyone's going to kill us if we go back. And Jesus says, well, we're going back. In other words, they thought maybe they had withdrawn to address the danger, but Jesus says, that's not why I've withdrawn. We need to go back. And the disciples say, well, let's go with him and we'll just die with him. You can tell the way they were thinking of why he would. That wasn't why Jesus was thinking. Peter decides he's going to try and defend. It's an opportunity to fight. Jesus says, look, if it was about cutting people off, I could have cut them all off with 10,000 angels. I don't need you to do it. That's not what I'm doing. What Jesus is doing is he's been pressing them. And as he's been pressing them, their heart is hardening. And so now he's going to withdraw. He's going to go back. He's pressing and withdrawing. And then you see later it says, and he warned them. Many followed him. All were healed. And he says he warned them not to tell who he was. Why is Jesus telling them not to speak? Isn't it the truth? Shouldn't we be sharing about Jesus? It wasn't that Jesus was just quiet all the time or that people were always quiet. He's talking about this instance. In other words, why is he doing that? We don't know why. Why is he withdrawing? We don't necessarily know why. But what we do know for sure is that Jesus is saying there is a time to withdraw there is a time to be quiet. By his actions, we can see there's a time to press and there's a time to speak. But he's saying there is also a time to withdraw, to pull back. There's also a time to be quiet. And if you think of things as a whole, the closest thing I can think of is, you know, as a father. Most of it, here's what a father has come to be fined. I, for me, in my, it's not what God the Father is like. God the Father is like Jesus, who knows when to press, knows when to pull back. Maybe Jesus was pulling back. One possibility is that he's giving them a chance to change their heart. Pressing them, it's getting harder. Pull back. Let, let's come at it again another time. But I'll tell you what, I, I do see that problems in a family, there's definitely a time to press an issue. There's definitely a time to withdraw. There's definitely a time to speak. And there's definitely a time to just shut up. And what I can see of my own life is I am constantly pressing when I should be withdrawing. I'm constantly withdrawing when I should be pressing. I'm constantly speaking up when I should be quiet. I'm constantly quiet when I should be speaking up. I can't figure this all out. 
And that's part of our need. We're never going to be able to figure this out. You can't approach life just saying, I'm just always going to speak the truth. And I'm just always going to say it the way it is. No, there's times when you just need to be quiet. I'm always going to press these issues. No, there's times to withdraw. I'm always just going to withdraw and see what comes. No, there's times for, I'm just always going to keep my mouth shut. It's like, well, it's not like that. It's this, there's a time for this and a time for that and how to figure that out. We're no more able to figure that out than we were to heal the guy's arm that was withered. The problem is that deep. And the solution is not when is my turn. The solution is not cutting off the arm. The solution is to have healing. But in order to have that, there's this heart issue that's behind it. It's not just a matter of the arm. There's something going on, and there's a heart issue. And this balance of withdrawing, pressing, speaking, not speaking, that's the, the right or wrong of this or that all depends on what's happening with the heart. And we just can't see the heart. We, we don't see it all that clearly. But Jesus sees it. What's the path that this is leading us to when we read through Matthew? Is it a path that we follow as a teaching? Here's what we have. Let's go do it. That's not the path. It's a path that leads us to see we need Jesus. That whatever the problem is, it's going to need Jesus. Jesus has the power of God to speak to this problem and to bring some sense of resolution to it, restoration to this problem. Jesus, we're talking, 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 yapping, 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 but we've got the wrong mindset. It's this individualistic mindset that's leading us to destruction. Jesus is the one who has the hope in healing. Because he has the power to heal, he has a hope that goes beyond just cutting people off. And that hope of healing is tied to a heart issue that involves communication, involves a give and take only in the sense of sometimes, look, a lot of times I'll start talking and it's like I can just see damage going out. We're going in the opposite direction when I start. And there's other times where it's like I, I just keep my mouth shut. And as I keep my mouth shut, I can see there's just damage happening by me keeping my mouth shut. How do I know when? The only hope is that Jesus will make it clear. Let's just start praying. Jesus says we see these issues. We need your help. We need your power. We need you to keep us together. We need you to change our mindset, to transform our minds. Jesus, we need you to change our hearts. We need you to lead us down a path. And, and you may wonder, well, how, how did you find that? How do I know if Jesus is telling me I should do this or I should do that? Maybe half the time I'm just doing what I want and I'm just saying it's Jesus. Yeah, we're going to do that. That's a mistake. But the hope is, let's just bring Jesus into it in our hearts and our minds. Let's at least say, we need your help. 
we need your guidance. Let's at least say there's no possibility of me moving forward on this. The only hope that I have is if you come in. The only hope that I have is if you do make it clear to me. And what I found is oftentimes, maybe at the beginning, I, I start stuttering. It's like, I, but there is moments when, for better or worse, I can tell I'm speaking, but there's something inside of me and I can feel it saying, shut up. And there's times when I'm just shut up and I can just feel, is it Jesus? Let's just go on the hope of Jesus. It's a better hope than, than just Xing him out of the, cutting him out of the picture and just saying, well, I'm just going to do my best on my own. My best on my own has already proved to not work. So yes, there's going to be back and forth because we're all messed up. Yes, there's going to be moments maybe where I say, this is Jesus and it's actually just me. Of course that's going to happen. But it's still better with the hope. Let's struggle through that hope with Jesus. Let's struggle through the problem in seeking and praying Jesus for his help, for his power, for him to hold us together, for him to bring us to a place of forgiveness, a place of wholeness, for, for him to make it clear for us to somehow have our ears, which aren't hearing, to all of a sudden hear and participate in that way. It, it's not an exact thing because we're so damaged. But it's the only option with hope. It's the only option that's left for us. And that's the option of Jesus. And that option of Jesus is this. It's a hope that there is a God. It's a hope that there is something other than ourselves. There's a hope that whatever that is, it's good in a way that we are not. There's a hope that it has the power of God behind it to assert itself in a way that we cannot. It's a hope that God cares about us and loves us and wants to be a part of our life. It's the hope that this message that he's been telling us is that he does want to be in our life and that Jesus is him coming down and becoming a part of our life. And that Jesus died for our sins and that Jesus was given life that we can join into and that Jesus is still here with us. And the power of God, when we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And that power of God can start addressing the needs. The need here, but it's really the need of us all. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus, can start to guide us. And where we mess up, make up for it. Just, you know, I, I shouldn't have been speaking. Somehow, God, you just got to make up for that. I should have been speaking. God, somehow you just got to make up for that. That's what the hope of Jesus is. God constantly making up for us messing up. And if you've ever experienced that, or you knew it shouldn't have worked out this way, that gives us a little faith that this hope is true. If you don't ever feel like God is ever making up for things that we do wrong, there's no hope. You never see God doing something that's, then, then why would you believe that? But 
if there are some things in our life that confirms this message, a message that this is our only hope, so let's at least see if this message is true, this is what it would look like. And that's what we're trying to get at here with Jesus. It is by no means a path that we follow by, here's the right way to live our lives, and let's go do it. It's a path that leads us to a recognition of our sinfulness, a recognition of our need, not in someone else, but in us as a whole and the need for the power of God in our life, the need for the hope of God in our life, a hope that is centered on not being abandoned, and the need that we have to just follow wherever it is that Jesus is going. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would just be with us this week. Give us things, open our eyes to see your power at work. Open our eyes to see how you never reject us, how you always pull us close. Open our eyes to see where you're speaking, where you're pulling back, and let us just follow along with you. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.